Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Acts chapter 4 tonight, and uh, we're going to uh, just study some things um, as we look forward to uh, Community Sunday. And how many of you ever heard of the phrase, I can't help it? Anybody ever, ever heard that? I can't help it. Uh, I think that phrase, I can't help it, is often used as just an excuse for something we don't want to change. That's usually what it's used for, right? Uh, you think about it, you know, I, I know, I, I know I shouldn't, I know I shouldn't drink this soda, but I just can't help it. I love it. Uh, you know, I, I, I probably shouldn't have a short fuse, but I can't help it. It's the way my family was. Uh, I think about this one. You know, I probably, I probably shouldn't have a second serving of chocolate peanut butter ice cream, but I just can't help it. That's mine, all right? That's, that's my excuse. Maybe someone might say, you know, I, I, I probably should be uh, quieter, or I should be nicer to people, or, you know, I should be more respectful, but it's just who I am. I just can't help it. We've heard that before, haven't we? How many are guilty you've said it before as an excuse? You know what? A lot of us, we've done that. We'll say, I just can't help it as an excuse. And often it's used as that way, just kind of a cop-out for uh, the way we are and, and uh, things maybe we know we should change but aren't going to. But in all truthfulness, there are some things in our life that we really can't help. Um, I'm a taller person. I can't help it that sometimes I have to duck when I'm walking through entrances or walking through a, a group of people in a, in a building or something, have to duck and get around some things. Short people. Short people can't help sometimes that they're short. I, is that mean, Leo? You know what? There's just some things in our life that really, if we be honest, there's some things we can't help. I mean, uh, for a tall person, they can't help they have to duck. For a short person, you can't help that you have to Stand here on tippy toes to reach and grab the cereal off the top shelf. You know, I just got I to reach that or get a stool. Just can't help that. Uh, if you think about it, extroverts, extroverts can't really change the fact that they find energy around people. Extroverts are just kind of built that way. Now, there are some things you can do to, you know, become a little less extrovert. But sometimes, I mean, I'm an extrovert. Some, uh, just being around people gives me energy. Introverts are the opposite introverts, even though you can learn to be a little bit uh, outgoing, introverts, they can't help that they would much rather just kind of, I'd just rather hunker down and be in my own little corner, you know? And, and uh, there's, there's just some things in life, there's some things that it's not a cop-out, but we really just can't help. When you come to your faith as a Christian, there should be some things in our life that we just can't help. There should be some things in our life as a Christian that we say, I just can't help that I do this. I just can't help that I do this. We're going to see one of those things tonight in Acts chapter number four. The disciples give us a great illustration of something that we should have as I just can't help it. And so I want to start there. Let's stand together and go to um, Acts chapter number four. Acts chapter four tonight. 
and we're gonna read, and then we'll just get right into the message. Acts chapter four, we're gonna jump around uh, through it a little bit, so you follow along. I'll tell you where we're at. Acts chapter four, beginning in verse number one. Acts four, one. And as they spake unto the people, so this would be Peter and John, as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees uh, came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold uh, unto the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of men was about 5,000. Skip down to verse number seven. And when they, this would be the Sanhedrin, the group of religious leaders, we'll meet them in just a moment. When they had set them, Peter and John, in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have ye done this? The this that they're talking about is the healing of the lame man by the gate which is called beautiful. We'll see all of that in just a second. By what power have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to this impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone, Jesus is the stone, which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, when they, the Sanhedrin, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Skip down to verse 18. And they, the Sanhedrin, called them, Peter and John, and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of the healing was showed. When you come to this portion of scripture, I think Acts 4 is really a catalyst chapter for the entire book of Acts. Uh, this is really kind of the, uh, um, the foundational uh, area when you see believers just get courage and stand up and move forward. And I think the courage of the believers in the church at Jerusalem that we find in Acts 6 and of Stephen in Acts 7 and then Acts 8 as they spread throughout the entire region, I think it all kind of goes back to Acts 3 and 4 and some things that we're going to see in Peter and John. And the truth that they said this, we just can't help it. We've been with Christ. We've seen what he could do. We understand who the Messiah is. And we cannot but speak of the things which we have heard and the things which we have seen. Their excuse was, we just can't help it. But it wasn't a cop-out. For them, it was a fact. And I hope tonight we'll make the decision that we want it to be a fact for us as well. Let's pray and then we'll get into the word tonight. Lord, thank you for the day. We thank you for your word. Thank you for how you use it to teach us. And I pray tonight that you'd speak to our hearts. Before I close my prayer, why don't you just give God permission to speak in your heart tonight? Just give God permission. God, please speak to me. God, please speak to my heart tonight. 
And then make the commitment that as he speaks to you, you're listening to him tonight. Dear Lord, again, we come before you. We thank you for your word. And we pray that you'd help us speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we find our place in Acts chapter number four, let me just tell you very quickly what had taken place in Acts chapter number three. Uh, If you were to go back to Acts 3, you would begin reading that Peter and John, they were traveling to worship the Lord at the temple. And as they were traveling, they were going through the gate, which is called Beautiful. Let me just tell you real quick, and the scene uh, there in in Israel, there's a place called the Book of the Shrine Museum. And at the Book of the Shrine Museum, they have a a miniature Israel set up. And so you'd be looking, this is what Israel would have looked like back in Jesus' time. And up here in the right corner of the TV, you can see the, uh, the temple area. This area right here, this is called the double gate. The double gate would be a gate that people would travel through, all of the travelers that would come in that would be going to the temple for worship. Everybody from the uh, old city of David would be traveling. They would go through that gate and they would go up into Solomon's porch and following that, they would go on into the uh, temple courts that the area is called. But that double gate is the gate called beautiful. All right, now what the Bible tells us is that this man, this impotent man in Acts chapter number three, he was sitting in the gate. Now in our minds, when we think of a gate or someone sitting in the gate, we think of them probably sitting out front of it or maybe just kind of in the doorway. But a gate, a gate for them in Israel, and those of us that that went to Israel last year would have seen it, but a gate was actually like a hallway. And this particular gate, the, the, the double gate, this particular gate would actually have been probably about as long as from me to the back of the chairs. It would be about that long of a hallway that people would pass through. And the reason it's referred to as the beautiful gate in Acts chapter number four, Acts chapter number three is because as you would go in, the inside of it would be beautifully designed, architecturally designed, and it would be just painted with murals and all of these different things. And so it was a very beautiful gate, so they'd call it the beautiful gate, but it's actually this double gate area. Well, the Bible tells us that this impotent man, he was actually sitting inside of the gate. You know what that means? He's sitting in that long hallway. This beggar would be sitting in that long hallway, protected from the elements. This would probably be somewhere where uh, maybe he would fall asleep every now and then. Maybe he would be like a, a bum that you'd see in a tram area or a subway area or something, just have a hat or a, uh, you know, we see it now, they have a hat or a guitar case or something like that. This, that's the scene that's kind of set before us in Acts chapter number three. You read the story, the Bible tells us that Peter and John, they pass by going in to go worship. So they're going to go to Solomon's porch, then into the uh, courts areas, past the, uh, the, the court of the women, and past that into that inner area. And of course, they would begin worshiping in the court of the men there. And there's all sorts of different names that we have. But as they were passing by him, he says, alms, alms for the poor, would you give me something? And you'll remember the famous words, if you've read the story, Peter looked at him, and the Bible says that he looked upon Peter, and they both beheld each other. They stared at each other, and Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And I love the story Acts chapter 3 records for us. It doesn't say that the man stumbled up. It doesn't say that he frailly kind of held his, uh, tried, to, tried to get his muscles to work and his limbs to work. The Bible says immediately that that man shot up 
and he was jumping and leaping and praising God. He ran into Solomon's porch and began to worship God. He ran in further and he just began to worship the Lord. Well, this gate, if you're going to walk through the hallway to worship and you're passing that man every day for years, you're passing that man. Would you recognize something different about him? Yeah, you probably would. Man, some of us, we, uh, maybe you work with somebody and you, you see them every day. Maybe your cubicle's right next to theirs or you drive a route and you trade bus keys with them or maybe it's uh, you're their bot, whatever the case may be. Man, when you see somebody enough, if they just, if, man, if they just shave, you notice something different. It happens every now and Quinn, you're coming up on, are you coming up on face mask time soon? You're not? So Quinn, every, you know, every once a year, he has to shave. And every time Quinn comes in, shaving, people are like, there's something different about you, you know? Because uh, we're used to seeing him with a beard. Whenever Robert shaved, people are like, you should be in junior church, son. And uh, just because he looks so young without the beard. And uh, man, you know what? When, someone, when you see something different, man, you notice it. But we're not talking about somebody who just shaved. We're not talking about someone who maybe just uh, lost a little weight or gained a little weight or somebody who dyed their hair. We're talking about somebody who was lame. Now he's jumping and leaping. Do you think that everybody would notice? Everybody's taking note, but especially the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin, we've talked about them a little bit. We saw them last week with Nicodemus. If you'll remember Nicodemus, John chapter number three, he was one of the chief rulers or one of the chief of chief Jews. That means that he was one of the Sanhedrin. He was one of the elite Sanhedrin. You would have almost, we would probably do it this, like you'd have the president and the vice president and then everybody else that would serve. 71 people would serve in the, in the Sanhedrin. You'd have the chief priest, you'd have the high priest, and then you'd have uh, those 69 others. That one of those would have been Nicodemus. In this passage, those 71 people, they took notice. They took notice of Peter and John. They took notice of this impotent man who was made to walk again. And they put Peter and John on trial. And that's where we're going to come into our message tonight because that's where we find in Acts chapter number four. I want you to take your hand out tonight. I want you to notice the first few thoughts with me. Number one, I want us to see the adversity of the culture. I want us to see the adversity of the culture. As you come to Acts chapter number four and our passage opens up, we find Peter and John having just healed the impotent man, them coming and, uh, of course, going through that great miracle. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter four and verse number one that the Sanhedrin go and they, they get Peter and John. Peter and John, this would be the same day. Let's say this is taking place on a, a Tuesday, okay? Let's just say that just for the sake of our minds. They're doing this. They healed a man on a Tuesday. And so Tuesday evening, they're preaching. They're speaking to all the people because everybody's gathered around. Now there's a crowd. Now people have taken notice. Okay, that man was, listen, I just passed him an hour ago. He wasn't walking. He is now. Those guys are walking with him. What took place? And now there's a crowd. Peter and John are teaching. They're, they're giving the gospel. We would probably imagine that's what they're doing. Well, the Sanhedrin come up. They say, hey, we need to talk to you two. Hey, you guys come. They bring them in. And for the sake of time, we just need to understand they bring them in kind of on a mini trial. This isn't a big trial. It's just a little mini trial. Hey, by what, by what authority are you doing miracles? Uh, listen, who gave you permission to work miracles in our area? 
right? We know that the Sanhedrin, they were made up of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were made up of the scribes. They were made up of some of those rulers, right? 71 religious people. And it was almost like with Jesus, you're stepping on my toes. Hey, this is my territory. It's almost like the Sanhedrin are going, hey, that beautiful gate, that's our area. You should have done it outside the gate. That's my, by what authority are you doing this? And these these disciples, Peter and John, they begin to see the adversity that they soon would be facing. The Bible tells us that the Sanhedrin were actually, the word is grieved. They were grieved. That word grieved, it means to be troubled, offended, displeased, or pained. In this particular passage, we would be leaned, we would, we would lean towards the, uh, the context of the definition being offended that they're offended at this. Now, let me ask you real, real quick tonight, what are they offended at? Are they offended that the man is healed? No, they're not offended at that. Are they offended that the fact that uh, people are gathering? No, they're not offended at that because that gave them something. If you look in our passage, it says in verse number two, it says why they were offended. Being grieved, being offended, that they, Peter and John, taught the people and preach through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So we know in verse number one, they're preaching who Jesus is. Verse number two, we know the Sanhedrin are offended. Why? Because of the message of Jesus Christ. When you think about this, the Sanhedrin being grieved, they weren't grieved because Peter and John were outlaws. They weren't grieved because they had broken some great Pharisaical law. They were grieved simply because they were preaching Christ. Listen, we, we say it often here at our church, and we know that it's true, but every Christian needs to understand that adversity in their culture is the same as it is in our culture. People hate Jesus. Our culture hates Christ. Listen, you can, you can mark it down. Uh, you go out and you start protesting and, and, uh, and make a big cause against Allah. You know what you're going to get? You're gonna get a lot of backlash. Hey, you, you're not open-minded. Hey, you're a hey, hey, you're a bigot. Hey, you're this, hey, you're that. But you go out and protest the name of Jesus, and people go, that's just their First Amendment rights. There's permission to hate Jesus, but it's not permissible for you to speak against any other quote unquote God. Listen, why is that? It's because Jesus offends people. You wanna know why? Because Jesus said, all are sinners, and I am the only way. Man, he's, he's all-inclusive, but he's exclusively the way. Can I just help us understand something? When we look at, I, I get at this real quick. What we do now is oftentimes one of the reasons we don't witness at work or one of the reasons we don't talk to people about the Lord or maybe one of the reasons we haven't talked to that neighbor is because we're like, well, I just don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to offend anybody. Now, let me give you a couple thoughts. We can offend people by being rude, and that's the wrong kind of offending to people. We can offend people by being brash and in their face and disrespectful. That's the wrong kind of offense. But when someone's offended because you simply say, hey, I just want to talk to you about Jesus Christ, can I help you understand and help me understand, they were offended back then, they're still gonna be offended now. 
Why? Because it's the same devil behind it. It's the same Satan that's fighting it. And the adversity in their culture is no different than the adversity in our culture. You know, one of the reasons that a lot of believers back away and shy away from inviting someone to a community Sunday or going out and telling folks about the Lord or just being a good witness at work is we're so politically correct, right? Well, I just don't want to offend somebody. Listen, those of you that have unsaved family, you've probably tried to witness to them graciously, and yet you know what? They still walked away offended. Well, why? Were you gracious? Yeah. Were you respectful? Yeah. Why were they offended? Because Jesus is the only way. And what I want to very quickly get at is we, we need to understand that we need to get away from saying that, you know, we live in a different time. You know, we, we live in a different time. Back in the Bible, I mean, listen, they were more bold because their time wasn't as adverse. Can I, can I just step out on a limb and tell you, I think they probably had worse times than we do. We get offended because, you know, we, we stop witnessing because someone closed the door. I'm never going door knocking again. I'm never blitzing again. Why? They slammed the door in my face. Mike's excuse. I'm never going door knocking again. Why? I got bit. I got bit by a dog. My excuse right after laughing at him, I got bit by two dogs. We were door knocking years ago and Mike's on one side of the street and a little dog run out and, run out and bit his ankle. And I'm across the street laughing <laughs> and making fun of him. I turn the corner and two little dogs bite me. No lie. True story. Bit both my ankles. And I thought, all right, Lord, I'm not going to make fun of him anymore. You know what we could do? Well, I got bit by a dog. Well, someone slammed a door in my face. Well, at work, they make fun. Listen, at work, they call me the Bible thumper. At work, they call me the preacher. At work, they, at work, they call me, oh, Miss Goody Two-Shoes. Listen, we just need to get away from making excuses and saying, well, times are tough. Times have always been challenging because the same devil's still fighting. Times have always been challenging because the same devil's still fighting. And what I want us to see tonight is the adversity in their culture is the same as ours. We see, first of all, the adversity of the culture, but I want you to see, secondly, with me, the advertisement of the Christian the adversity of the culture, but secondly, the advertisement of the Christian. We won't take time to go through and read the whole story. We just read it. Verse 18 down through verse number 14, we read there that there was something different about Peter and John. In the context of the scripture, it would help us believe or help us uh, understand and lead us to believe that the, fat, the, the Sanhedrin, they were, they were calling them together and they were kind of put, trying to put some fear into them. Hey, by what authority do you do this? Hey, who gave you permission? Hoping that maybe Peter and John would kind of timidly go back and say, oh, we're sorry. We didn't mean to upset you. It's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll move on. We won't do anything. But the Bible tells us that Peter stood up and he courageously and boldly, verse number 15 or verse number 14, he said, hey, you rulers of the people, elders of Israel, if we've done something that's worthy to be examined, then examine us. But we haven't. All we're doing is preaching in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who you crucified. And they did this with boldness. And notice what verse 13 says about it. We've preached it often at the church. Here's what it says. Now, when they, the Sanhedrin, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they, they were unlearned and ignorant men. What were Peter and John before? They were fishermen. They were fishermen. Now, I'm not going to pick on fishermen right here because a few of them are here and they could beat me up. But you know what? In their, in their day, in their day, a fisherman was a low job. 
Oh, oh, you're, oh, oh, you're just a fisherman. What do you do for a living? Well, I'm this. Well, what do you do? I'm a carpenter. Well, what do you do? Oh, I do this. Oh, I'm a shepherd. Oh, there's a shepherd. Oh, I'm a fisherman. Oh, you two get to hang out together. Shepherds and fishermen, you guys, we don't like you. You're kind of the, you're kind of the low part of our society. They saw him as ignorant and unlearned. That's what society saw them as. And so here you have the Sanhedrin looking at these men going, man, these are ignorant and unlearned. These guys are, they're, they're not supposed to be this bright, but they're speaking to us with boldness. Notice what it says. It says they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You know what that phrase, they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus means? Here's what it means. Here's what it means. They were looking at them and they said, you remind us of that Jesus of Nazareth. You remind us of Jesus of Nazareth. They took knowledge of them. Man, you, you're just like Jesus. You've been around Jesus. <clears throat> they looked at Peter and John and very quickly they recognized we've seen this before. Where have we seen it? Jesus of Nazareth. You know what? When you look at this thought, the, the uh, Peter and John right here, they were advertising Jesus Christ. How are they advertising Christ? By their words and by their conduct. They were, you know what they were? In this passage, they were a walking billboard of Jesus. Man, I look at you and you've been with Christ. Can I help us very quickly tonight on just a simple thought? Your life is gonna advertise something. People are gonna look at you and take knowledge that you are something. What is it? Oh, that guy, he's a good businessman. Oh, her, she's a really sweet lady. Oh, him, he's pretty athletic. I wonder if people would look at your life and my life and say, they're like Jesus. Oh, they're just a, they're a mini Christ. That's what they saw. Why? Because Peter and John understood that their life was advertising something. When you think about this thought of being with Jesus, did you know that you and I, we still have the same opportunity that they had to be with Jesus. Each and every day, we can spend time with him so that our culture looking around us could look at us and say they've been with Christ. Jesus said it this way in, in uh, Luke chapter 10. Jesus answered, said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful, about, careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. What was the good part that Mary was doing? Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus. You know what you and I need to take time to do every day? Sit at the feet of Christ. Why? Be with Jesus, because then people are going to be able to notice you've been with Jesus. But they're never gonna notice you've been with Jesus if you haven't been with Jesus. That's what a lot of Christians, man, no one ever, no one ever thinks that I'm a Christian. No one ever thinks that I've been around Jesus. If you're not around him, people aren't gonna think it. You're not gonna be an advertisement. You're not gonna be a billboard that says, I've been with Jesus. I come to the passage tonight and I see the adversity of the culture. Man, they faced it, didn't they? They had some trials. Nero was ruling during this time. You remember Paul and Nero and all those, all those things that we looked at last year, Acts, Acts 14 through 28, all the persecution, all of that. And, and of course, then Paul giving his life under Nero and Herod. Herod was in rule during this time. I mean, there's so much taking place in this passage that we can look at. They faced adversity. 
We see the adversity of the culture, the advertisement of the Christian, but lastly, where we're going tonight, I want you to see their audacity because of Christ. This is where we're getting to, I just can't help it. We'll be on this thought just for a few minutes. Notice the audacity because of Christ, their audacity because of Christ. If you look at verse 15 down through verse number 22, these men, Peter and John, they just don't back down. They just don't back down what we read taking place, what we read taking place in uh, this passage, verse 15, down through verse number 22, they kind of get a threat to them. They get threatened. Uh, Peter and John are standing there, and the Sanhedrin come, and the Sanhedrin say, uh, they say, hey, you need to stop talking in the name of Jesus. You need to quit it. Quit talking in the name of Jesus Christ. If you do it again, you're going to be in deep trouble. You got it, buddy? That's, that's their threat. They didn't threat. They didn't, they didn't say, you do it again, we're going to beat you up. You do it again, you're going to whip. They just, you just better stop doing that. And they threaten them. And I want you to notice their response. Acts 4.20. Acts 4.19 and 20, it says this. And Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. But notice verse 20. For we, or because, because we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We cannot but speak of the things which we have seen and heard. I want to ask you tonight, do you think that this is a cop-out? You think they're just making an excuse, right? Well, I shouldn't eat that chocolate peanut butter pie, but it's just so good, I just can't help it. Do you think that's just a cop-out for them? No, it's not. Man, this is the, I'm sorry I'm tall and have to duck and go through doorways. It's just who I, it's just the way I am. This is their, it's just the way I am. Their, it's just the way I am is this. I've seen Christ I've watched him do miracles, and I can't help telling people. I can't help telling people. Their answer in all of it is, hey, we just can't help it. We just can't help it. I want to tell you tonight, as we look at a community Sunday coming up, and we've been getting challenges on it through our Sunday nights and Thursday nights, challenges on prayer for it, challenges on witnessing. This Sunday night, we're gonna be in John chapter number four, still in our red letter series and looking at that message of, of with, the, with the, uh, the Samaritan woman and what God did there. But can I just bring it back, just, just rewind it a little bit for us tonight, help us understand this. A lot of Christians miss opportunities to tell people about Christ because they can help it. Because their idea is, well, I just don't want to offend people. I'm facing too many challenges. I don't, want to, I, don't, I don't want to invite them. I don't want to talk to somebody about the Lord. I'll do it next week and we put it off. Some, they can't witness because they're not, they're not even advertising Christ. They're living two separate lives. They're not meeting with Christ. They're not, they're not the ones that people would look at and say they've been with Jesus. They're the ones that they'd say, wait, wait, wait. You're inviting me to church? Are you kidding? I mean, you were just, and their life doesn't match the words. But then there's others, and I hope this would be our response, that they simply say, you know what? Because of Christ, I have the audacity to step up. Not to be rude, not to be brash, not to be mean, but I have the courage to step up and say, I've watched Jesus change my life, and I think he could change yours. When I come to Acts 4, I don't see the disciples saying, oh, times are too hard. 
I don't see him saying, oh, well, I just, my life doesn't match my words. I see him coming up and saying, listen, times are hard, but I'm gonna be bold. My life is gonna match what I say. And when the opportunity is given to me, because of Christ, I cannot help but speak about him. I hope tonight that we'd be challenged with just this thought, and it's right there on your handout. Every believer should have the mindset that says, I just can't help it. Why, why do you always talk about Jesus at work? Man, I just can't help it. I had today, was coaching football, and one of the little boys, he, uh, he played with us last year, and he said, he said, Coach! I said, yeah, what's up, bud? He was like, why are you always so happy? Why are you so happy? And the other little boy went, it's because he makes us run. He just finds pleasure in torturing us, you know. And I'm laughing at that. And, and I thought, you know what? I hope that I would have the courage to say, well, you know why I'm happy? It's because I know that Jesus Christ is my Savior. Man, I hope that this week, maybe your opportunity to tell someone about Community Sunday, it's gonna, listen, in the next 10 days, I guarantee it, every single person in here is gonna have an opportunity literally staring you in the face. All of us, we're gonna have an opportunity staring us in the face. But we can choose. We can be predetermined like Daniel, predetermined that when that opportunity is there, I can't help but speak about the things that I've seen and heard. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.